Hi friends, my name is Aaron, and this is episode 25 of the Mostly Yoga podcast. With me, I'm the host, this is my show. Today my guest is Floyd. Floyd is a fellow colleague of mine at home, and I first met him back when he was a guest teacher at my TT about a year ago. Um, and back then he shared a lot of interesting things about yoga, history of yoga, philosophy, teaching philosophies, branding, and all that, which he'll get the chance to share again on this humble platform of mine. So yeah, I'm very excited to, for, for you to hear it and to, to know what I mean. Hmm. Um, if you're new to, if you're a new listener to the podcast, hello, welcome. And, uh, if you're a long time listener, welcome back. Uh, I don't I don't pop these podcasts out as often as I like to. The last one was about three weeks ago. It was with Amber. You can go listen to that. Um, but I try my best. And if you like to show your support, you can go to coffee.com slash mostly yoga. That's spelled K-O dash F-I dot C-O-M slash mostly yoga to buy me a coffee. And coffee is just code for, you know, a donation. So if you'd like to support, um, thanks a lot. And if you don't, it's fine. Still free to listen to. Uh, let's talk about our sponsors today. Uh, as always, BC Flow State. Rediscover the way you move, feel, and perform through the use of natural and authentic movements that can help you build strength, regain your mobility, and reconnect yourself with your physical body. For content on mobility, movement, and feats of strength, just check out his Instagram at bc underscore flow state. bc underscore f-l-o-w-s-t-a-t-e. Yeah, he's my good friend. He's on one of the, he's on, he, he was a guest on two of the episodes of the podcast. You can go and find him there as well. Uh, spicy lovers and lovers of all things spicy. <laughs> um, if you like chili, then... Spice up your life with this unique homemade cilantro chili by Red Dot Chili Peppers by my friend Steph. Uh, I don't really like spicy food. I I can take spice, but I don't really like to douse it with like, you know, a bunch of chili and all that. But I like this chili lah. So uh, coming from me, someone who doesn't like super spicy stuff i still enjoy this chili um it's got a really nice flavor it's kind of tangy it's like i put it on my meats it um it just tastes really great so i don't i mean it's the best chili i've ever tasted like fucking is i'm not even kidding 10 out of 10 so uh for all the all the lovers of all things spicy and green and good order yourself a bottle or two or three from her IG or Facebook page at Red Dot Chili Peppers. All the links will be in the description below. Mm. Uh, anyway, back to the episode. We we're talking about how uh, oh we talk about Floyd's interesting life. Um, he he only teaches like one or two, or, or sometimes he covers classes at home. But but I think his 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 normal slot is about a week, uh, once a week. Or two, I can't remember. Um, so it's very rare to, to get a chance to go for his class. So if you do, um, you know, it'll be a treat. 
he he talks about his experiences with yoga and his transition from being like a super hardcore Bikram practitioner to the most softer side, the the, the most softer yogi he is now. Mm, yeah, this is one of the more enjoyable. I mean, they're all enjoyable, <laughs> but this like my chat with him was 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 particularly enjoyable because it was just so easy to speak with him and I learned a lot and and I'm excited to share what he shared with me with you. So yeah, without further ado, here's my guest, Floyd. Enjoy. Hello, Floyd. Thank you for coming today to join me in this wonderful day. It's a nice rainy day. Um, we should all be in bed, but we're here. But I'm excited to be here. And uh, yeah. <laughs> thank you thank you for inviting me to do this yes uh, it's the first uh, for me so yeah mm. okay let's uh, let's talk about yoga stuff mm-hmm. um, but so you are you're a very interesting person and you have a very interesting background mm-hmm. <laughs> you, <Do> I? <laughs> <laughs> you you've traveled a lot you've yeah. led a very well-traveled life mm-hmm. you've spent some time living in different places before you settled down in Singapore mm-hmm. and I guess to the people who don't know you and even to the people that do know you um, we want to find out how you came to be who you are okay. and whether that has been a part of the yoga journey mm-hmm. and how the yoga has led you to a spiritual path as well mm-hmm. um, I guess what I want to ask is, of course, the origin story. And I'm sure you've told this, me as well, we've told this yoga origin story to many people many times. Um, but if you, you're, you're, you're open to share with us that story once again on this humble platform of mine, mm. um, how, have you, how did yoga find you and how has it made you the person you are today? All right. Okay. Well, first of all, thank you for having me uh, here. It's very humbling. <laughs> I do listen to your podcast and I love them. Um, so yeah, it's a lovely day to actually have this discussion, I think. Mm. Um, not Yes, you, so you mentioned that I might have told the story a lot of times. Actually, no, I haven't. Really? Because I don't like to mm. talk too much about my own yoga journey to anybody. I don't mind sharing it with everyone. Maybe it's the right time mm. to share it now. But I am much more private about my yoga hmm. practice okay. in general, which is part of the actual journey itself. Um, because I have a huge, very strong opinion on the way yoga is seen by right. people I will at the moment. I know you want to come yes. back. Yes, <laughs> I know you want to come back to that because I'm a very... Um, yeah, and I think as teachers and as practitioners, we have a a a duty um, around yoga, which is much, getting much larger as the world is getting much more complicated and much more connected. But we can come back to that. My origin story. Oh, my. Okay, so I'm South African, which mm. in itself in Singapore I think is quite rare. There's not that many South Africans here, mm. versus. French, Italian, no, any you know, other, yeah. Filipino, American, British, etc. So there's not many of us in Asia in general. Um, so I studied in, and and lived and studied and was born in, obviously in South Africa. And I came over to China, to Beijing when I was 22 years old. 
um, to teach English to little kids, which was amazing. It was wonderful. And I moved from there to Shanghai. And in Shanghai, I met my first uh, boyfriend, my first partner, who was Japanese. And he was a yoga teacher. I think I remember. I hear it. I heard this story before when when you do uh, doing your TT, but yeah, 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 no, yeah, yeah. yeah. So he he's amazing, a lovely, 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 wonderful guy who actually still lives in Singapore now. Um, but you met him in China. I met him in China oh. in Shanghai when I lived in Shanghai, and um, he was a yoga teacher, and he taught hot yoga, and I'd never done yoga before, ever. And I thought that was pretty. Uh, this is Bikram. Yes, oh, yeah. Bikram, and he taught the, he taught the 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 he taught the, the the full Bikram, like the ninety minute full on everything. And he was into yoga, and I had never tried. I didn't like sports at all. I didn't like being. I didn't find anything that suited me uh, physically um, until I found yoga. But it was Bikram. And when I did it, I realized that I had the kind of, at that point, I had the body type and I had the interest to do it because it was all very acrobatic and Bikram can be quite acrobatic, right? So I did that and I loved it. And, and he was teaching and I knew the other teachers of the studio in Shanghai. And... He taught this in English or in Chinese? He taught, actually, he taught in three languages. Whoa. Oh, He's right. fluent in Japanese, yeah. Chinese and English. Okay. Mandarin and English. And... Um, it was amazing to him. He did one class, I remember, in three languages simultaneously, which I've never seen before and never seen since. So that was amazing. <laughs> um, and I loved it. And I just thought, wow, okay, I found something to keep me healthy and fit. And um, because I was also much smaller at that time and my body was 20 years younger than what it is now, um, I just, I just took to it immediately. And it was a really easy fit for me. Um, I didn't know any other kind of yoga existed until uh, for the first couple of years, until I started doing things like vinyasa, etc., etc. And then I moved to Singapore. And uh, I kind of was doing a bit of yoga here and there and trying to find the right place to do yoga in Singapore, which was quite difficult. At the time, remember the time, this is yeah. this is a long time ago. And this is fourteen years ago in Singapore, mm. something like that. Um, at the time, I think Bikram and that kind of thing was very big here. Physical, very super physical yoga was very big, and I just didn't find anywhere that was good. I didn't like the gyms, um, and then eventually I found home yoga, which was wonderful. But home at that time was a hot, was a hot yoga yeah. studio, exactly. So I was doing Bikram here again, which was great, but, and it suited my physicality. And I did ballet as well. So because I couldn't find, well, I was doing yoga and I did ballet. I was an adult ballet student for five or six years in Singapore with Singapore Dance Theatre. And that was wonderful. That was amazing. But um, it's so they kind of went together, ballet and yoga went very well together for my body type and my temperament as well. And then, body type and temperament. Yeah. So my my the type of person that I was, mm. and I was quite reactive. Not reactive, but I was quite fiery at that time oh. compared to now. Ooh. I was quite fiery and quite like ready, like kind of gung ho. You know, when yeah, you're much yeah. younger yeah. and you're not as scared of injuries, or you're, mm. you're 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 more open to everything at a certain point in your life. And so Bikram kind of suited me in that way 
and it was hot and it was fiery and I was it was just you know full on I think a lot of people start full on in yoga I think I think um, well I did and I, I thoroughly enjoyed it and ballet was amazing as well because ballet taught you about the articulation and the, and the different kind of alignment and rhythm and intuition in body movement which I must say that things like Bikram, Bikram was so specific. Ballet became a lot more, was a lot more fluid, even though ballet within itself as a dance is not particularly fluid. It's a very rigorous exercise. So I was doing a lot of rigorous stuff. Um, to a degree, ballet was a little bit more fluid. I tried modern dance, I did pole dancing as well. I love anything that's about movement. Mm. Um, and so eventually I stopped doing ballet and continued more with yoga. But then the big change came, which was when I was at home, um, one of the teachers said to me, why don't you come and do the teacher training, which was yin yoga. Uh, so you started with yin first? Yes. I, oh. my, my, way into yoga, my way into teaching was reversed mm. versus most people who will go for vinyasa or like a ashtanga mm. or a hot yoga, a hot yoga tra- teacher training. My first one was, was yin yoga, mm. which was... Such a lovely thing, um, but it changed the way I viewed yoga completely, and it, it's changed my whole life completely in that instant. And uh, one of the teachers here, who I love very much, she says to me, there's this opening in this training, and it wasn't at home yoga, so she wasn't trying to sell me into anything. It was just, it was actually completely separate. She said, this is training with this you know, yin teacher who's amazing. Do you want to try and see? So I was like, okay, I'll go and do it. And um, it was a yin yoga Chinese medicine training right. with a teacher here. Her name is Jo Fi. All right. Yeah. Yes, yeah. And I did my first yoga training with her. I don't know how many hours it was. You know, these hours, <laughs> I get confused. <laughs> um, but that was life-changing for wow. me. Because I never thought about yoga in that way. I'd only been to one yin yoga class before that. And at that time, I was doing, obviously, Bikram Hot, Vinyasa, and a bit of Ashtanga as well as a practitioner. How then? How did the yin thing come about, and how did it take such a huge impact? Because you only went to one class, and coming from that yeah. place of like Bikram, like yeah. strong, and then one yin was able to 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 shift you. Yeah, it, it it's a it's a really good question, and it's it's um well maybe I'm being a bit inaccurate. Maybe it wasn't one class, but it was maybe like two or three. But I never knew what yin yeah. really was, because um, I didn't realize it was the didn't realize it was the counterpoint to yang yoga in a way, right. you know. And just the way that, that this teacher conducted the training, first of all, the quietness with which with which he conducted it and the, the, the rigor, but it was rigor that was not fiery, if that makes sense. Mm. So it was rigorous in a very... Controlled? Um, controlled, graceful is... The, best word I can think of for the way that she, that, that we were, we were taught mm. that. And I just took to it immediately. It was exactly the thing that I thought I needed in my life at the time, but didn't know Like most things you don't know you mm. need until you actually get them. Right. Yeah. Um, and, oh, I loved it. It was so rhythmic and beautiful. And we would chant in the beginning of every class in, you know, and then we were to recite all the organs of the body in Chinese and I did that too because <laughs> it was a Chinese medicine module and you're, flu- you're fluent in Chinese I'm not fluent in Chinese but no speak? but I can speak a little bit of oh, it yeah because I live you can there. get by la. yeah 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 learn yeah. <laughs> like a lot <laughs> that's it's English but Mandarin yes I did speak okay. I, I can speak some and I did learn when I was in China to read write and speak some um, and so the training was 
life-changing because it was so quiet and so slow and it taught me a whole new respect for what yoga could be in my life mm. um it was very difficult practice that's what struck me in the beginning was my natural ability at that time was to go towards yang yoga to go towards something which was more um fiery and physical mm. and demanding handstands and all that kind of stuff you know like all the, the the funky stuff that we see on social media these days but the quieter art of yin yoga was very under underappreciated at the time especially right i felt um this is about six years ago now maybe it was still underappreciated and you would struggle i think at the time to find yin yoga on anyone's never mind things like restorative and yoga nidra you know which i eventually went into um but even yin yoga at the time i remember it not being as popular as what it is now i see much more of that kind of thing now people are getting a little bit more awareness of it I and they need so. that balance I, especially in the hustle bustle of singapore exactly. life yeah. i completely agree but it's a it's a it's a slow burn mm-hmm. i think um and even in the training i remember there were a lot of theater teachers there who had come from strong yang backgrounds and couldn't quite get mm-hmm. what yin was really um or how you could teach yin in a, in a more quiet way and up to this day i still see teachers teaching yin yoga in a very yang way which i find right. quite odd okay okay right? I, think i know what you mean yeah, yeah exactly yeah, yeah. exactly exactly so i was i was like oh okay that's interesting um my my take out of the training was that it had to be super quiet and very because the, the the basis of the training and in anyone out there who knows um this mo- mode of training will please forgive me if i'm getting it wrong but my understanding was that um it was not an alignment based practice it was something which had to do more with your individual anatomy and skeleton than with alignment which 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 goes on regardless of your particular body type makes sense yeah and it was almost some it was almost a shock to me to think that okay maybe you could do yoga like this and just work with your own body and your own temperament um instead of coming from the bikram school which right. is very much you do it or you don't you know it's this way or the highway kind of thing you know it's and very simple like the, exactly 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 yin yoga felt found to be much more in this mode that i learned much more intuitive and much more quiet and incredibly difficult because you had to sit there in these postures and just be with yourself which is something we never ever ever do and that was really the thing which got which got me like wow this is this is a way to be which is not previously what i thought yoga was which was it's not super it's not super physical it's not super hot it's not super demanding it's a completely different way to approach yoga and a completely different way to approach your life because right. i think what you do it's the metaphor exactly yeah. what you do on the mat people always say what you do on the mat what you do in life it can they translate what, yeah. exactly and i remember at that time being really hot tempered and <laughs> i was doing a lot of hot yoga so <laughs> and my constitution is a fire constitution anyway and i used to have a terrible temper many years ago so i think the yin came at a good time <laughs> but then integrating that into my life took a very long time and took a lot of a lot of patience a lot of patience because yin really forces you to just sit and be and that's not something that we're used to but that type of training that 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 training and that mode of practice actually affected the way i teach yoga completely um 
and it started to take the way I do yoga now started to take its roots in that that training which is my first one after that I did the vinyasa 200 hours which is lovely mm-hmm. it was it was with home yoga so it was super fun and I loved it and then I went on to do kids yoga uh, I did an ashtanga thing as well I'm very much about like learning as, as many things right. as possible which I love I went into the kids training I did ashtanga training I did another yin yoga training I did yoga nidra and then I also did recently restorative yoga so I went on to do a lot of other things but um, my way has become a lot more towards the quieter arts of yoga mm, um, interesting also because when I started doing yoga I was in a major, major depression at the time due to a lot of different things that happened to me. And yoga kind of, I always say yoga kind of saved my life, which is why I don't talk about it so often because it's quite a difficult thing to talk about, which is fine for now. Um, But it did kind of save my life. It did kind of step in and and direct me because, you know, when you're in a bad place, you can go any number of ways. You could go alcoholism or drugs or whatever the case may be. Whatever you latch onto, and that's the exactly. it's something bad. Exactly. You're spiral. Yeah. Exactly. And I just happened to latch onto yoga, which was the best thing to latch onto, mm. at, and this I think still is. <laughs> um, and I look at the photographs of myself in my yoga training. I was really thin at the time, really lean, bodied. Um, and I still remember why I was. It wasn't the training. It was, it was partly the training, but it was actually other things happening at the time so it's it, it was a very formative time of my life the, the when i did that this that yoga training and then the second one the first one being the yin the second one being the, the vinyasa so yeah and then ever since then i've kind of my whole goal with yoga now is to calm myself down is to use it how can i say this this is an important thing to say my goal with yoga now, my, both my practice and my teaching, is to try to work a little bit more slowly, more consciously into the practice. Now, I'm very aware that we, people say that as they teach, and, and we read that a lot, but do we practice it? I'm not so sure, you know. Um, I love my practices to be simple. Like, I went through the phase of all these crazy postures and handstands and you know all this kind of like fun stuff <laughs> but now at 40 nearly 41 years old um, I'm just more like if I can just do a simple sun salutation and execute it with grace and with simplicity and feel good about that that's enough for me I don't need to do 150 things and put them on Instagram and I mean social media is a different topic but and that's what translates into my classes these days, I hope. Mm. The simplicity and slowness and a bit of patience that comes into the practice. I'm really not interested in, in, in lots of crazy things. Mm. There's plenty of teachers out there who will do that. I guess like when you first start out teaching or when you even first start out with the practice of yoga, mm. you do want, you are excited. Mm. You do want to try all the moves of and you course. want to achieve all the things that of you want course. to achieve. Yeah. The handstands, the full splits, the yeah. head, foot behind the head. Yeah. But then as time goes by, the physical, as fun as it is, it, it translates to other things because then you've spent more time learning what the true yoga is mm. and then that is where 
stuff off the mat happens, mm-hmm. which translates to in that direction. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. For me, for me, I don't. I, I. That's why with social media, I mean, as a Muslim, well talk about it now. Mm. I have a huge issue with the way yoga is perceived or projected in social media. I think it's damaging. Mm. I think it's. I've seen it be very damaging. I mean, I see students coming and wanting to do handstands and all kinds of things. When I always ask people, why do you want to do that? And most of the time, they can't answer. Mm. It's it's a very common thing. I want to do this. Well, uh, why? Why? Yeah. Why do you want to do that? Oh, but I saw it on social media, or I think it'll look feel good or look good. I was like, okay. Um, I had a friend, uh, not a friend. I, I knew somebody who wanted to do a specific yoga type thing, and I asked him. I asked him, why do you want to do that? And he's like, oh, I just want to show my friends. So like, oh, that's not. I'm not going to teach that to you. I don't think you. <laughs> I think it's damaging, and I think it's difficult to 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 do that. And um, I think what we see, all the stuff that we see on social media about um, people practicing all the time, and people doing physical practice all the time, and doing amazing, beautiful backbends in like things like king pigeon or what or things like king pigeon or full splits. You know, when 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 I studied the first module when you learn about the anatomy of the body and this was a bit of shocking for me you learn that some things are not actually achievable by all bodies and that's really really struck me as well like some people will never be able to do a back bend in that way and lift the foot to touch your head like you do in king pigeon right king pigeon is, i think mm. that's the, the or mermaid or whatever the case may be there's some things that's not physically possible and could be damaging if you do them because if you understand your own anatomy better, you'll get to the point where you know, like, I can't go any further mm. than this. And then yet you see on Instagram all these people who are like ballet dancers who are able to, who have got very open skeletons and very open muscles doing all these crazy things and then you want to be like that, but your anatomy is saying no. There's a misconception for sure and that's the, that's the, the thing about social media, regardless mm. of whether... It's Instagram yogis, or if he, if it's even some YouTuber who got rich at the age of yeah. sixteen, yeah. you know, and look at him flying on his private mm. jet. You look at that, and then you look at yourself. Oh, I'm like thirty, and I don't have a yeah. private jet. Oh, my life must suck. Yeah, that guy can do the handstands. <laughs> I've been learning yoga for ten years. I can't do yeah. a crow. Yeah, I'm pretty shit. I'm a you know. It's unfortunate that social media has gone down that path, and it, it is part of like people want to see the guy do a one-handed thing yeah, off of the course. side of the cliff. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with wanting yeah. to achieve a inversion. There's nothing wrong with wanting to, to do a full splits. There's nothing wrong to chase that, the mm. asana. If, but then it is a good question to ask why you want to do it because mm-hmm. if it's led by the ego, I want to show off to my friends, mm. um, okay, mm. but if you hurt yourself in that process, that's your fault, not, mm. not anybody else's fault. Mm. If you want to do it to progress in your own way, Sure, but then, hey, the limitations of the body is like that. You mm. might never be able to do mm. it. Can you be okay with that? Mm. And then if you stay with the yoga long enough, the yoga will teach you, the yoga will take care of you, the yoga will yeah. nurture you, and to show you that it m- maybe, yeah, you are that particular body type that will never be able to do this. Mm. So what? It's, it's, that's okay, because that's not what yoga is about. Well, exactly. Well, exactly. I think I agree completely with you. The other point along that side is that there's not only one way to do yoga. There's not only that way to do yoga, but that's the way we always see. Because yoga is seen as a physical exactly. practice, as an exercise. Exactly. I mean, if you're I, not moving, you're not doing yoga. I never see yin yoga on 
social media mm. ever. I hardly ever see a start of yoga on social media unless you're following particularly specific schools. I never see Kundalini. I never mm. see. I hardly ever see Universal. I never see. I see Vinyasa all the time. I see Ashtanga all the time. Think about what you see on social media of yoga. Ninety-nine percent of the time, the Vinyasa, Ashtanga. Or postures derived from those practices. Right. Yin yoga hardly ever restorative. Hardly ever. Nidra. What's to photograph? Mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. They're not as physically attractive. They're not as sexy. And I think that leads to a huge misconception of of, of what yoga is. It leads down a very narrow path. At least in my experience. And I do follow. I used to follow a lot of yoga um, uh, influencers or whatever you call them. But I kind of deleted most of them because they're good not, for you. <laughs> they're not really relevant. Actually, I, I mean, I am on social media. I'm terrible yeah. on social media anyway. Um, but there's more than one way to do yoga, to engage in yoga, and to enjoy yoga. And I think that it's our personally. I think it's kind of my job as a teacher to say, well, there are other ways that might suit you better. And that might be better for your temperament, for your body type, for your stage of life, than just going mindlessly into the first thing that you see. I always encourage people. I think when you were in the training, when I said go and do everything mm. first, try all the types, and then find out what it is that you really like. And it might not be the sexiest thing, but I've seen a couple of people that I know and love very much go down much quieter paths for yoga. Um, because that's their true flower. Yes, because it it suits them. It suits their stage. And I mean, things change all the time. Just because you're doing restorative now, or you're into restorative yoga, doesn't mean you can't do anything else. It's being, it's about being intuitive to your body type and and what's happening to you at the moment. Like I'm going through a very difficult time at the moment for various reasons, and most of my practice now is just calming myself down. Mm. So a lot of it. I do yin yoga in the morning, which is odd, right? You don't usually do yin in the morning. Yin is in more the evening, mm. because it's, it's yin, yeah. It's the moon. It's more of an evening practice. I do restorative yoga in the morning, and because I need it, and that's the first thing that comes to my mind in the, when I do yoga nowadays. My own practice. What do you need today? Mm. Do you need a strong practice? Because we're yoga teachers, right? We we know how to do it ourselves. We don't need to follow YouTube videos. We can actually formulate our own practices in our in our head and our heart. But the step back a little bit and realize what do you need today. And that is something important to yeah. want to teach to people mm. because we are yoga teachers. Mm. We're not asana teachers. We're not yeah. posture teachers. Exactly. Anybody, if you come to a yoga class long enough, you learn how to do a warrior two. Mm. You learn how to mm. do a, a arm balance. Mm. But then. W- what are you well, like as a teacher what is your role you know you need to be able to uphold that role to a certain standard and to understand the, the topic the nature of our subject that we're trying to impart mm-hmm. and I guess what you said is so like it made sense like what do you need today yeah. and and how can you to share that in a class you know mm-hmm. I mean practically when you're sharing class I always like to give people options I always like to tell people what they're what we're heading towards today you know, what's our goal today? And you know, sometimes with the, with the, it's interesting the need thing because, and I, I think a lot of yoga teachers are going to like, like want to kill me when I say this, but oftentimes, should I admit this on, in public? <laughs> I think, I, I think she, like, I should because I think it'll be, it's, Here we it's, go. It's, it's, a, it's a very true truth to me. Hmm. Many times I don't plan my yoga class before I go in. Ooh, controversial. <laughs> <laughs> and I'll tell you why. 
Because once you get into the class and you see the people who are there, <sighs> I agree. Everyone, you, and every, every yoga teacher knows this, yeah. but we don't like, I don't know if we don't like to admit it or it's an ego thing or it's a pride thing. When you get into the class and you see who's there, not just about physical ability, not just about beginner it's status, energy as it's well. energy. It's how are people feeling. And the minute, if you, if you are at all intuitive, the minute you step into a room of people, whether it's professionally, work-wise, family, you will be able to feel what they feel like. Mm. I've gone into classes hoping to teach, what was the, I think it was Peacock or some, oh God, well, I can't remember, so some flying thing, flying pigeon or something. <laughs> I've gone in hoping to teach that and seen people would never, within the first asana, I was like, they'd never be able to do this. And mm. if I push this, it's going to be uncomfortable, difficult, and unnecessary mm. for them. So a lot of the times I just have an idea, especially with, well, yin, is, yin, yin for me is different. When I'm teaching a vinyasa class, I have an idea about what I'd like to teach, but it's plotting every single, single thing out. I found actually um, restricted me a lot mm. and it was quite damaging to myself and the class. Um, I do a lot of practice on my own and I formulate lots of sequences on my own, which I like to incorporate into the class, but not to the point where I'm stuck on them. Mm. You know, you've got to see when people are struggling. Mm. There's lots, my point of view is there's lots of teachers out there who will be, who will be like the... Stick to the plan. Yeah, exactly. The, al I, the alpha yeah. teacher. This is the plan. This is the way. And there's a lot of practices which demand that Ashtanga, which are the fixed sequences, mm. Ashtanga, um, Bikram. Bikr exactly. There's a lot of fixed sequences out there which will demand that you do that. I'm not sure if I need to be the teacher that people come to for a fixed sequence that demands that. Wow, There's okay. definitely a space for that, for sure. And I will go, I've been to many an Ashtanga class and many a Bikram class and experienced that and needed it. But at this point, I'm not sure if I'm the teacher that people, if I want to be the teacher that people would come to for that kind of practice. Mm. I'd rather that they step in and feel, um, you know, I'm going to just backtrack a little bit. In my training, one of the things, the yin training, one of the things that the teacher told us, which I never thought about before, um, she said, people come to spend time with you, which I thought, I think I said this to you when, you're, in your, when I was in I've, your training. I've heard this before, yeah. yeah. By the way, for everyone out there, I was part of Aaron's uh, teacher training. Mm -hmm. You were second teacher training. You had multiple second, teacher trainings. Second, yeah. Second. yeah. It was last I, year. Yeah. Yes, I was in, I was in, um, I was, you, you taught one of the modules. I, yes, I taught a module, teacher, and then yeah. I was exactly, exactly. So that's when I reference uh, in being in Aaron's training. Mm -hmm. um, she said that people will come. She said two things which really had stuck with me as a teacher. She said, yes, she said that first thing that I remember that she said people come to spend time with you, and this is not about being a famous teacher at all. That wasn't the way I took it at all. The, what what it struck me as was that people come to be with you and your energy. And if you think to yourself, like how many times have you looked at a yoga schedule and thought, mm, I don't like that teacher so much, or yes, I love that teacher. I'd rather go to his class. You know what I mean? And it's not about being an influencer. This is about what you give to people, consciously or unconsciously. Mm -hmm. And that struck me as very touching. And I've actually realized it in my short teaching career that they do come to spend time with you. They just want, and some people are going to teach yin yoga, some people just come there and sleep. Just let them do that. I love it. I think it's a compliment. <laughs> yeah. Of, I, I, that's, what, that's the way I was, I kind of learned that if you want to just be here, 
and sleep and that's fine. <laughs> no, I just don't snore. Then I have to wake up. <laughs> but I've had people doing that. I've had people doing that. And also onto the second point on that is that you don't know how much people sacrifice to get to your yoga class. Who has had to bring people, uh, parents or brothers and sisters to mind their kids while they come to yoga? Who has had to catch three buses and two trains to get to this class at that time? You know, so the point is that people are intentional about what they want. People are coming to you for a specific reason. And your your duty is therefore to serve them the best that they can, the best that you can. Mm. If you know if you know what I mean. I do, yeah. I do. It's a very sobering thought that someone might have to come, you know, might have to save up money just to be here. Mm. In, in a place, Singapore is very... There's a lot of money everywhere in Singapore, right? And we take it for granted that people can just come and be in your class. But you don't know what they've done to get it's here. true. You don't know what they've Braving done. Braving the rain, waking up early. Exactly. Kids, having kids minded while mm. they do this, get, coming in from terrible jobs out there, especially in this in the circumstances mm. we're in now. So all that kind of thing drives me to be more thoughtful about who I'm teaching. And it comes back to the point of the energy in the class. When you walk in as a teacher... What are you feeling from the class? And sometimes I just sit there. In many of my yoga, especially yin yoga, in the beginning, I'll just sit with them. Mm-hmm. And we'll just sit in a meditative pose. And then I'll try and feel out what is actually happening here. And sometimes, every time you feel something, but sometimes it's quite, you can feel there's a heaviness in mm-hmm. the air. Or you can feel that there is a, a lightness. In, or that people are very tired or they're energized or they're... And you don't have to say anything. You just have to feel it. And then you've got to move from there. And I think that is a really, really important part of being a teacher of any kind. You feel what's in the what's in the room, and you move from there. You know, um, also it can it can it can go into becoming very egoistic. You know, I don't think my students come to my classes because I'm going to push them super hard. I don't mm. think I'll ever be that teacher. I don't think I'll ever be that teacher. But they are coming for other reasons. You know, as I said, I've had people fall asleep in my classes, yeah. in my yin classes before, in, in nidra and in yin yoga. I haven't taught restorative yet, but I know that they're gonna, I fall asleep in my own restorative practice. <laughs> but, but, yeah, there's, to feel the people that you're with is a very, very important part. And you don't have to touch them, you just have to observe and see where they're at um, on that day at that time and then move from there. That's really my biggest philosophy about yoga. How do you want your students to feel after class, regardless of what class type it is? Mm -hmm. I want them to feel fulfilled and I want them to feel acknowledged, Mm -hmm. like I've acknowledged what they needed in the class. It's a hit and miss. I mean, Mm -hmm. you can't can't please everybody. You know, it's interesting because sometimes you get a little bit of validation. And I remember teaching a class here in this very room. And it was something like a Tuesday night or something, Vinyasa, and Tuesdays at the studio. When I used to teach Tuesdays, <laughs> they were hardcore, right? Because everyone was coming like, you know, we're into the week now. We're getting ready. And I really wanted to do a slow flow yoga that day. I don't know why. <laughs> and then I saw a student who I know and I like very much and she's really powerful and I thought oh my goodness I want to teach slow flow but the student is almost she's she's almost like an like a power yoga or a shtangi type person right 
and she's done. She, you know, when you read you the, the headstand, she does all of them. You know, when you give people the opportunity to do like a pincher, she, she's into it, you know, and I've taught her before. I thought, oh gosh, oh, I don't know if I should teach the slow flow of the students in this class. <laughs> Is she going to be mad at me afterwards? <laughs> um, and I did. I taught the slow flow. <laughs> and then afterwards she said to me, that was the best thing that I could have done today. And I was so relieved. And I, was, I said to her, I thought that, I said to her, oh, I thought you would be really upset because I know that your practice is quite strong. She said, yeah, but today I'm not feeling for a strong practice. I'm feeling very sore. I'm feeling not quite good about myself. So I needed that soothing practice. And it was such a great validation for me to hear that coming from someone like that. And more of a, a point to say like, okay, trust your intuition a little bit more. Trust your intuition a little bit more and don't be so afraid to be who you are and show that to people. Um, another thing that, that I learned in or that was said in one of my trainings is your students will find you and I truly believe that they will if they haven't already they will find you this to all the yoga teachers out there who are starting they will find you for sure somehow your, your vibe attracts your tribe I think like so there are yes. the strong teachers there are of the, course, the soft own, teachers exactly. and the people that resonate with you will find you exactly. to go to your class because that's your style that's your your, your, who you are, the exactly. way you teach. Yeah. Exactly, 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 exactly. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> Did you face any challenges when you first started teaching? Mm. Challenges all came from myself. Ooh. They all came from myself. I was okay. lucky enough to be, to be, to start teaching at home yoga, which was quite rare in those days. Um, and the challenge was always, the challenge was really always about how I thought I would be perceived or how I wanted to be perceived. And this moves towards a very important thing, which is your voice as a teacher and your philosophy as a teacher. And as a new teacher, I think we don't have philosophies. We're forming them as new teachers. Or we're taking them from, from Ex- example, exactly, from other people. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You're formulating your own, your way forward. And you don't know what it is. Because we're inexperienced. Exactly. Yeah, we're still new. I just finished my TT like a month ago. Of what course, am I going to do? Yeah. Of course. And totally. But that's where I think the biggest fear came from. I was like, okay, well, how, how am I going to do this? But how am I going to be seen? And I know a, 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 a young teacher who's starting out now and she's very nervous about oh, how people see me and how will I be perceived and there's no way to get through that but just to go and do mm. it and stumble and fall and make kind of make your way <laughs> and the thing is when you stumble and fall <laughs> that's the lesson isn't it that's, yes, that's but, how no, you learn. but many people don't know that you're stumbling as a teacher sometimes oh. you you'll be in a class with students who have no idea that you that don't know what true. you're doing they but don't know that in your mind, but in your mind you're sabotaging yourself wow you know what my when my my first my first <laughs> yoga class that i ever taught mm-hmm. and a friend of mine shahao he's he's been on the episode before so he went mm-hmm. to my class just we 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 didn't really know each other back then but he went to my first class and after the class i i remember that first class i was teaching birds of paradise as my peak Wow, and, and because it was, I was at the studio <laughs> where you had to teach like a curriculum, so they had. Oh, okay, oh, okay, okay, yeah, got yeah, it. Okay. Place, yeah. it was prescribed. Yes, mm. so that particular day was Birds of Paradise, so I had to teach it. And my first class, I planned an hour sequence, mm. but I finished everything in half an hour. So I was like, oh shit! The other half an hour, I mean the other like fifteen minutes, because the last fifteen minutes was the peak, the demo, right? So mm. the fifteen minutes inside, I just did like random stuff, like. 
like mm-hmm. warrior one uh, warrior two mm-hmm. reverse mm-hmm. side mm-hmm. white leg fold then I just mm-hmm. like fillers you know yeah, like random yeah. stuff just fold forward just do this <laughs> just do that and I planned a very intricate sequence mm-hmm. to spin around and then I ended up spinning all Ooh, over the place so I, and okay. then some people were facing the back some people were facing the front so like, oh shit I'm bombing I'm bombing You're so bad teacher trauma and then at the last part when I was demoing I saw I was demoing okay so you wrap your hand around this and then when I was doing it I was like falling couldn't keep my balance and then at the end of class I felt like that was the worst experience I ever had and then my friend said like yeah I, I couldn't tell it was your first class it was fine so then what like how does that make any sense you know because in my mind and from what I saw we, we, did, were we not in the same room together how did you not see how terrible that went but he was like I don't know it felt fine and that is something yeah and that's something yeah. you need to like as the teacher you need to sort of get past it you know mm. whether it was bad mm. we just need to, if it was really really horrible everybody could tell mm. Mm. it's just something you need to live with and you need to overcome and yeah. to let go of yeah. and to progress because at that point you are like it's your first class what were you expecting exactly. of course you're gonna bomb it's your exactly. first class ever exactly well yeah I mean my my first class ever was when I was teaching, it was a teacher training. Mm. It was in a training when a teacher didn't come to, uh, she, for some reason, oh, the teacher couldn't come here and they asked me to cover, it was only three days into my teacher training. What? It was crazy. It was really, I think it was, was it three days in? I think, I'm sure I told you guys the story before. It was the most terrifying thing ever. So I took the class mm. as, <laughs> having only trained for a few days. <sighs> oh my God, it was, it was terrifying. But, the students knew Oh, they, they, knew, they, they knew, they knew it. Yeah. They, they knew that, and they applauded afterwards. They were like, Ooh. "Wow, well done, well done," and it was such so encouraging. The point being, people don't want to see you failing. Mm. I think that's important to remember. Your students don't want to see you failing. They're coming to be with you. Mm. You know, they don't want to see you failing. They want to see you as human, but they don't want to see you fail. Who wants to see somebody else fail in a yoga class? It's it's not it's not that it's not possible, but it's it doesn't make sense. They want you to succeed. They want to be with you on the journey that you're going on. So if we remember that as teachers, at least in my experience, I don't, I've, never, I've never felt that anyone ever, any student ever wanted me to fail. They always want you to, to, to have a good time and show them how to have a good time and enjoy the session. Maybe have a laugh, maybe have a sweat. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't see students as wanting you to yeah, fall. nobody comes in like, all right, let's, let's, what can I make fun of the teacher with today? How can I criticize? Yeah. Exactly. No one's going to do that. Exactly. At least not in my experience, no. And as a student, I would never want that. Then it wouldn't come to the teacher's class if you didn't, I didn't feel for that teacher in, I, in a good way. I guess like as a student back then, when I did come for a class, sometimes if the class wasn't up to my expectation, mm-hmm. I would be like, oh, I didn't get enough of a sweat. Oh, I didn't, um, this teacher pushed me too hard. I didn't really mm-hmm. like the style. And maybe that criticism towards that teacher, I, I would say, as a student, I would, mm. oh, it's the teacher's fault. The sequence wasn't that mm, fantastic. Mm, eh, mm. Not very good. But then, now that you become a teacher, you realize that, oh, okay, maybe back then as a student, um, I was making, I was, I was like making fun of that teacher. But then, like, are students now making fun of me? You know, like, oh no, <laughs> it's my sequence. Like, somebody in, in, in the Dumbledore Dog is giving me a, 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 a ugly face, you know? It's like, oh no, he hates it. He hates being here. He hates me. And it's, it's after a while, you know that it's not about you. The, the yoga face is often the, the most hostile face you'll ever get. But then after class, you'll be like, hey, thanks. Then yeah. you'll be like, hey, I thought you hated it. Like, you yeah. gave me that face that you hated it. But afterwards, you were like super smiley and everything. So all these things are happening in class. 
you're picking up on it and it is just spiraling out of control of in your course, mind of course of course of course and and, and yeah it, it, it can and I've had those experiences not recently but I have had them when I've gone oh my mm. god and I have had some terrible classes don't get me wrong uh, definitely they, yeah. they exist of course they exist of course they, they exist, exist. Of yeah. course they exist but when you when you do like a crazy sequence and you can't remember the other side, oh, <laughs> you know what? But you know what? Yeah, there's a couple of aspects to that kind of thing. When I did that, <laughs> I did some really I don't know what it was. I remember this class, and and it was such a lovely bunch of people, and I know the students. And they'll them, help you. They did. Yeah, that's exactly what I was going to get to. Going back to my point of no one wants to see you fail. They want they want to exercise. Mm. They want to work out. They want to feel good, right? And so I actually said to them, did I do this side already? And they were like, yeah, you did. <laughs> yeah. Let's switch the other way. And then they laughed and we carried on. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's about how you hold that space. Exactly. Right? And I've, I've seen teachers fall in front of me. Yeah. I've seen teachers not be able to do postures in front of me. And we're human beings as well. You know, we're not, we're not gymnasts. We're not in a circus. And I think that mostly students appreciate that. Mm. I saw a, a teacher that I absolutely love fall out of a posture while demoing it. It was a difficult one. It was a side. It was a side plank. With grabbing the foot. Yes, yes, it was yeah. a side plank. Not, not, not the star, but it was like a, a tree in a side plank. It was very. Ah, uh, v- what yeah, is the Ashtanga yeah, yeah. name for you? V starts with a V. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's the Ashtanga one for the people who are listening, where you hand behind your back and you grab your toe, it's but like it was the on lo- the side. Half bound lotus. Half side bound. Plank. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Half bound lotus side. Exactly. And she fell out of it while demoing it. Yeah. And I could see she was put off, but I wasn't at all. I was like, yeah. well, I'd probably fall out there too if I was doing it as a stu- as a student. Yeah. <laughs> Um, but no, I don't, I think you go, should go into a class assuming that nobody wants you to fail there. Mm. You go into class as a human being. And as I, I would think I was saying something earlier, sometimes I just sit with my students and I'll say to them, I'm not sure how to start the class today. I'm not sure how, and just let me think and feel. That's such a, that's such an amazing thing to say because yeah. like you're being it. honest, you're yeah. being authentic. Yeah. Like, yeah, I don't know what to teach. I, I, I'm. Like, give me some time exactly. to, it's just, to, and it's to read the room. I'm not asking for 10 minutes. I'm asking yeah. for like a, a couple of seconds because I'll go into, especially yin yoga, mm-hmm. which I teach on a Friday. A lot of the time I used to teach yin yoga in the, the studio on a Friday. And people are really tired when they come in. So you've got to read them very carefully mm-hmm. because either they're going to be irritable because it's Friday mm-hmm. or they're going to be overexhausted. Um, and I'll just sit there in the beginning and say, how should we start today? And I'll think, and I'll look at them. And they'll just be looking at me with these lovely, hopeful faces. And some of them will be smiling because they know Excited, that's what yeah. I do. And they're, they're kind of up for it. Mm. And like, then I'll just say, okay, we'll, do, we'll, just, we'll start in duck. I'll say, because I'm feeling this way. Or I feel that the class is this way. Or we'll start in a, in a child's pose. Or we'll start in a, we'll start in a savasana or something mm. that I don't expect. You know? And then you just move like that. Mm. Um, at least in my experience, that's, that's helped me to be more human in front of my students i think they appreciate it i think they appreciate it i'm sure they yeah. do <laughs> i'm I hope sure that they, they do, do. Yeah. i hope that they do um yeah so yeah <laughs> um oh uh i thought of something so uh-huh. i guess what are some of some tips that you can advise to teachers if they do forget a site because I have, I have a few tricks that I know. What are your tricks? Oh. Tell me, tell me your tricks. Uh, one trick is to yeah, you you ask the help of the, the mm-hmm. students. Like you you look at your, you look you find 
the your the the regular mm. the regular strong mm. practitioner that's mm. always in, in class mm. and you look at what he's doing mm. sometimes people if you skip something they will still do the yes, same thing yeah. and then you're like yeah. oh no sorry guys wait a minute let's yes. backtrack yes. You, yes and you go okay yeah i yes. forgot this let's do that if it's too far gone um you can either bring it back at some part of the sequence yes. like if you forgot wild thing i always forget my wild things <laughs> You wilding here. You can always wilding at any point. Exactly. It doesn't have to be at a specific exactly. spot. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And then I think it's often, yeah, it's often just like seek the ask for help, like just like I, I guys, I forgot where we are now. Are we on the left side or right side? Mm-hmm. Then someone will say right side, left yeah. side. What well, uh, you know? There always be someone. There will always be that. someone. Yeah. Always be someone who's willing to volunteer the yeah. information. <laughs> I but but that said, what the tips are? My biggest thing is don't plan sequences that are too complicated. Mm, yes. Because number one, you can't change them when you get into the situation, right. and number two, you can't remember them. Yeah. So what I always do personally is I always do a couple of postures and break it with a a a vinyasa. A vinyasa. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And I don't like my 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 things to be too complicated. Mm. They they start to annoy me and people um, as well. The other thing that I learned quite quickly was to observe your middle range student as a gauge for the practice. I you know the person the person who is not the superstar and is not the weakest link, but somebody who's in the middle, and then you can gauge how effective your practice is. Is that per, if that middle person is struggling, chances are quite a few people are struggling right. in the class as well. If they're sweating too much, or if they're struggling to do something, they engage from that person, and then accordingly take it down a little bit mm, if you need that's to. That's a good tip. Yeah, I thought that was quite. And somebody told me that, yeah. and I've, I've always used it ever since. Actually, somebody told me that they watched me as that student. So One of my teachers okay. told me that I was I was the mid range of the class right. at that class. Oh. She's like, I'll always watch you, and if you're struggling, then I know that that, right, that I right. need to pull this practice back, That's or true. something like that. Yeah, actually, yeah, like like yeah. it goes back to like finding a student that you can anchor on. Mm-hmm. Like if it's your friend, mm-hmm. and it could it, even if your friend is super strong. If you can see something is off, exactly. you can tell, yeah, exactly. and then that's where you you adjust or you exactly. or you do something about it. I've also in when I used to teach much more much more strong vinyasa classes. I've also just stopped classes when I see people struggling. I've and I've, I've when I planned a sequence, even though I mean, I do plan sequences sometimes, <laughs> I do. When I planned it and, and I see they're struggling and really dying, then abandon the plan exactly. And stop. Actually, I've stopped the class before. For and just, what do you mean? Just to let them. Oh, breathe. like a, a break. Yes, right. I said, okay, we're gonna. I see yes. that you guys are. It's hot. I can. You can. And you can feel in the room. You can feel yeah. in the room that people are really struggling and they're not. They're not managing. Yeah. And this is not. A, this is not about being overachieving. This is about people who are really struggling and, yeah. they're, and they're getting overly tired yeah. and possibly annoyed. Yeah. I've actually just stopped classes in the middle of it and either had them sit in and I said to them. This is a lot to take. Let's just, and I'll finish whatever last movement I'm doing, and then we either stand in like a samasthiti type uh, or like a mountain pose, or I get them to sit and breathe, and mm, then we'll start again. That's interesting because then, you need to re- recalibrate. And you need to recalibrate exactly. Breath, yeah. Exactly, they need to recalibrate. They need to just calm down a little mm. bit, um, especially when the classes are full and it's very very hot, yeah. and you're teaching something a little bit challenging. It can happen, right. and especially if it's a sequence with lots of different movements in it, and you're going from one to the other, like vinyasa. It's very right? ambitious, la. Exactly, yeah. and um, 
I've actually stopped them. I remember a couple of times and I saw this one girl. She was like, sweating so much and I, I know her and I was like, oh no, I don't want her to suffer like yeah. this. And she was really struggling. So I was like, okay, no. We'll stop, regroup, and I'll rethink the rest of it. Mm. Um, so I've had to do that a couple of times. And I, it's not something I would advise, but it's something which has worked well for me. Mm. Because I'm trying to read the room. Because as a yoga teacher, we've got to read the room you all the adapt. time. You've got to adapt. Constantly, yeah. constantly read the room. Constantly adapt. And what are the other tips? This is interesting. This is a lot. Yeah, this is very interesting. <laughs> it's interesting. I don't know what the teachers are tips they're giving you. Um, it's a lot about room management. So how you, yeah. if it's a hot class, you know, open the door, open the window, mm-hmm. um, turn off the heaters halfway. No, mm-hmm. like no one's gonna, no one's gonna complain about it. If everybody's dying, exactly. if it's a full class of forty people, exactly. and it's a hot class, and your your sequence is very ambitious, it's okay to turn off the heaters. You turn it on again like 10 minutes later, exactly. no big deal. Turn on the fans if you want to. You know, just let people breathe. Yeah. And people will appreciate it because then if someone, like if I'm in a hot class and we're all dying, we're like, the students, the students are one. You are the yeah. teacher and the yeah. students are one. So yeah. it's like you and them. They, they are together and then they see you mm. as the figure, right? Mm. So you have a lot of authority and you have mm. a lot of power. Mm. And if they see you like, oh shit, okay, I'm going to turn on the heat. I'm going to, they will see you walk over there and they hear a click. Yeah. And then the 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 the, the room, the yeah, yeah, it starts to yeah, stop, yeah, 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 and people yeah. like, oh, okay, he he knew that we were dying. He turned it off. <laughs> he 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 noticed that he noticed that he's saving us, you know. Saving yeah, us. Yeah, because you you can tell. Or if someone like opens the door, or if you see the hear the, the fans on, yeah. people know that you are trying to help them, and they and yeah. and they know that ah, he's paying attention. Yeah. You yeah. know, it's small yeah. things like that. Yeah. I think it really, it really helps. It really helps. People come, again, it's the same thing. People come to be with you. Yeah. You know, I'm not a drill sergeant. I'm just, I'm a human being and I'm trying to get, I'm trying to just enjoy and get through the, through things as well. I think that empathy that you have to have with students, I think is so important mm-hmm. because we don't get empathy in any other parts of our lives or very often we don't. You know, we don't know why people come to yoga. We misconstrue the fact that people come to yoga for a workout. I think that many people do. Mm-hmm. Don't get me wrong. Many people come for many other reasons. Just go into a yin yoga class and you'll see. Go into a restorative class and you'll see. Go into a yoga nidra class and you'll see why people come to yoga for mm-hmm. other reasons other than a workout. You know, To but, come to yoga purely for an exercise purpose mm-hmm. is a very simplistic way of looking at the practice. Yes, you move. Yes, you sweat. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe you lose weight. Maybe you gain some muscle. But then... To only come for that, it's such a simple, and I'm yeah, you know. It is, but it's 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 very it's a very viable reason to come. That's true. You know, it's a, it's a it's a valuable it's a start. and and it's a it's a start. And many people will be there and only ever be there mm. as yoga practitioners. They will That's only okay. ever be in, in 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 the physical. But again, look at all the other practices that we have surrounding the constellation of yoga experiences, from Kundalini to power yoga to all kinds of different forms and you'll see I mean you just go into yoga nidra class why are this I always think to myself yoga nidra and for those guys who've listening who've never been to yoga nidra yoga nidra is like a yogic, yogic sleep which is really about, about taking the mind into a more subconscious state and it's a verbal exercise for the teacher and a relaxing kind of a lying down type of physical it's not even a practice it's actually just a physical it's, it's a how do I say well, uh, yeah how do you there's no po- there's not posing um, it's more of like it's a about receptivity yeah. yeah yeah it's about being receptive so there is no no postures in yoga nidra it's about the mind calming the mind and when you walk into yoga nidra class and I've done 
quite a couple here. Then you start to think, well, why are these people here? They know what yoga nidra is, clearly. Mm-hmm. But they've chosen to come here. To do, quote-unquote, nothing. Exactly. Right? Why exactly. I can do nothing when I'm exactly. at home lying on my sofa. So why do I have to come exactly. here? It's a matter of, there's something else. There's exactly. the energy. There's, exactly. there's you as the facilitator mm-hmm. having to hold space for all these people mm-hmm. and having to hold space for all these different things flying around, you know? Exactly. And it might be the only place they ever get to do that. Mm. I think that's really important to remember. Like restorative yoga, wow. When I did my training for restorative yoga, and I did on my students as well um, recently, the amount of support that people need, that they don't know that they need, Mm. that you can provide as a practitioner, those are such important things that nobody thinks about, you know? Some of them, again, like in my yoga, in my yin yoga class, some people just come there and they don't do the postures. I have a lady who sits in this corner and I'm pointing to my right, my left side, <laughs> and I love her. And she used to come to my yin yoga class every Friday and she would just sit and prop herself up with everything and cover herself and she would just close her eyes. She wouldn't sleep, but she would just close her eyes and be Whoa. there. And I loved it. I just thought it was the most gratifying thing as a teacher to have someone want to come and be with you just to be quiet mm-hmm. and I had a, a 60 60 something year old lady an Italian woman once in my class as well and she couldn't do much of the yin because yin can be very stretchy right, right. and she couldn't do that I had to prop her up with so many blankets and everything and she just laid there and afterwards she said you're so kind and I just thought oh my god I was like oh my god that's the sweetest thing anyone's ever said to me because she didn't need a full on practice yeah. she needed something else you know and to be aware that as a teacher you can provide that as a human being you can provide that to somebody else I had a once a guy who couldn't do anything and he was so miserable and all I had to do he was miserable he was just uncomfortable yeah. in yin and I literally had to use triple the amount of props on him than anybody else but the minute I put the props down on him and propped his back up or something, whatever it was, he just looked at me with this look in his eyes like, okay, now I'm fine. <sighs> it was, it's so gratifying. That's why yeah. I teach yoga because it is gratifying. Yeah. It's a wonderful thing to do for people to be able to facilitate a little bit of peace, a mm. little bit of hope, a little bit of quietness in, the, in their lives. Everyone needs it. And I think that's why I've gone down the more quiet route of yoga mm. for myself because I need it and another thing I think is that we teach what we need mm. I'm very much a believer that you Whoa, teach what you need that is true all the time and that's why I love to teach yin yoga I love yin yang I love yin yoga nidra restorative because I need those things in my life as well and to teach it brings it into my life in a mm. form okay that's interesting <laughs> oh, something to think about yeah, I think if you think a little bit about it, again, I'm not coming back to the same thing of what do you need? Mm. What do you need in your life? And it reflects in your teaching, clearly. People, a lot of people, I mean, I know Ashtanga teachers who are very disciplined, but their backgrounds are very strong. You know mm. what I mean? And they require that, all well, their personalities are very strong. They require that discipline. You can see it in them, and you can see it in what they teach. And you can see it in the people that come to the class. If you if you pay attention and if you're a little bit more aware, you start to see how people are. Mm. You you can understand why they chose a certain path exactly. in terms of yoga. Exactly. Because let's say like yeah, you're very fiery. You need mm. that balance of the yin. Yeah. If you're 
too fiery, you also need the discipline mm-hmm. that comes from Ashtanga. Mm-hmm. Or if you're too passive, mm-hmm. you need the power and the push exactly. from Bikram. Exactly. And you see that naturally people will gravitate towards exactly. that. Exactly. 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 Hey. <laughs> He's smiling like that. I love it. I love it. <laughs> okay, uh, I have a question. Yes. Personal branding as a yogi. This yes. is what you taught us mm. in, the, in, in my TT. Mm. So, um, it's also your sp- your specialty as mm, as a professional, as, yes, yeah, as my a, work. You're a brand, cons- yeah. you're a brand, brand consultant, yeah. consultant, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm sure you have a lot of things to share about this. Mm. What is it in terms of uh, like what is a personal branding as a yogi? Mm. How does it? Was it for? What does it mean? Mm. And how? What does it mean to be an authentic teacher? Whoa. Okay. <laughs> I prepare, I prepare these questions, man. I can see. Well, that's a difficult one, Aaron. That's hard, but... Um, Take your time if you need to. Personal branding. We are... And I start, I start the module like this, which mm. I taught to you. Um, and I will be teaching again. Actually, I've taught it quite yeah, yeah, a couple soon. of times, and I'll be teaching it again soon. Personal branding. We, as a yoga teacher, you are your own commodity, and you are your own brand many of the influences that we see have perfected their personal brands. Any of the, you know, the the big ones that you see around the world, I can't think of any now. Talking about the, the teacher or the company? The teacher. Oh, okay. The teacher. More than the company. Because the company is made up of, of powerful teachers, isn't it? Right, that's true. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So if you walk out of the studio, people will, or let me put it a different way, People will gravitate towards a teacher more than a studio. And you see it because when teachers move, students move. That's what personal branding is about. And whether or not you know it or not, you are continuously feeding your own personal brand. And now the way I'm going to approach it in the new module of personal branding, because it's changed since I taught it the last Mm. time, is there's three things. Your physicality, your education, and your philosophy. Ooh. Which are which will contribute to your personal brand. Okay, okay. Your education is, is the building blocks. Like, what are your qualifications? Which is the basis of it. You, you know, and I'm not saying it's the only thing, but you what did you what have what are you expert in? What have right. you learned? And I don't mean you mean just learning a formal education, formal yoga education. I mean in many many ways. What have you built up in your in your, your education? Your, what do you know how to teach? Right. Your resume what, essentially. In, essentially, yes. What do you know how to teach? What's your expertise mm. in teaching? Is it Ashtanga? Is it this? Is it a multiple, a range of things? Your physicality. Your physicality is an interesting one in yoga because yoga is a personal, is a personal product, is a service that you're providing. In a very commercial way, it's a service that you're mm. providing. What do you, and I, I, I know that this is a little bit maybe annoying to people, but I've seen yoga teachers use this to their advantage dramatically. Physically, what can you offer? Are you physically able to do the amazing Ashtanga Series mm. B, Series C, D, E, F, mm. right? Some people can never, right? Because of their, purely their skeleton, their age, their disposition, whatever the case may be. What can you offer in terms of, um, in terms of your physical being? Are you somebody who's more gentle in your being? You know, when I, say phys- when I say your physicality, I don't just mean your body. I mean your entire temperament, your entire energy that you're offering. 
what are you offering in that area? We've spoken about this before. Some people are much more rigorous. They want to teach much more rigorous. Some people will only ever teach Bikram because they love it, right? Their voices are like that. They can, they can teach in that way. You know, even their adjustments are strong, whatever the case may be, right? So what are you offering people? What can you offer in terms of your, your physical presence? People have used their own race, their gender, their sexuality sometimes, and even their physical attributes. Like we have um, Jessamyn Stanley, who is a, a, what we would call a plus-sized um, yoga teacher in the States. There was a trend a while ago for, for rather large-sized women. Um, and apologies if, I, if it sounds a bit about a bit um, politically, politically yeah. incorrect. Yeah, I can't find the right word to say it. Yeah. Yes, there are... Um, there are larger sized women who have become very popular yoga teachers because of partly because of who they are physically, right? Mm. There's a lot of those aspects that you need to look at yourself and say, okay, what can I offer physically, uh, or or tangible in, in a physical form? Right, right, what right. is the energy I'm putting out? Am okay. I? Because I've done yoga teacher trainings with PE teachers mm. who are just like PE teachers the whole way through. You know, they don't. They, that's what they are, mm. and they're proud of it. And so they're like drill sergeants. And I've done yoga teacher trainings with people who are mothers mm, and who bring that kind of I energy see. with them completely when that i did kids yoga sense. when i did kids yoga oh my goodness there were all these mothers of, of toddlers and it was just so beautiful to see these moms wanting to be with their kids and they were learning how to do kids yoga so they could be with their kids mm. but a mother of a newborn is not offering the same energy as a pe teacher mm. you see what i mean mm. so what are those aspects of yourself that you can hinge on, that you can hook onto, and you can offer people with authenticity. And that's where your authentic thing comes from. If you're a mom and you're trying to be a drill sergeant, is that authentic uh, to you? I see. The gender thing. I want to talk a little bit about this because it sounds politically incorrect, but I'm going to make a case for it. Mm. When I did kids yoga, which was such a beautiful experience, the teacher said to me, are you thinking about doing children's yoga as a, as a path? And I said, no, it's not really. I'm just doing it for myself. And she said, but consider, and this kind of broke my heart. It's one of my, one of my sadder moments in my yoga career. Not sadder, it was very touching. Mm. I've had a lot of touching yoga, yoga moments. <laughs> <laughs> but this one was particularly poignant because she said to me, you are a man. Mm. I was the only guy in the training. There was, everyone else was like 20 women and there was one me. Mm. A guy. Then again, I don't know any guy kids yoga teachers. Do you know that Rainbow Kids Yoga was invented by a man? Oh. Which I didn't know until she told me. Okay, okay. She said, you're a man and you are teaching kids yoga. And then she said that most of the time a woman will be teaching kids. Like 99% of the time a woman will be teaching kids yoga. But when a man teaches, he has a completely different energy to women. And consider also that... For a lot of these kids, the father is not present, which I thought was really... And then when we had that, because in kids yoga, we have the last, I think one of the last sessions is like a, where you invite people in, mm. you invite your family mm. to come in, take part. And this was so touching to me. It was so interesting because when we had that session, we had the moms and dads come to the yoga studio the dads all stood outside and the moms came in and did yoga with the kids. Not, not the, not, it was, it was the, the, the students themselves plus extended friends and family who we invited. But there were almost no men in the room with the kids partaking and being physical with their children. They all stood outside and watched. And she said, as a man teaching 
It's very special for kids. And she, this woman has taught kids yoga her whole life, basically. And she's a trainer. Mm. And she said, because you'll be, very, you'll be very special as a man teaching children. Because it's so rare. And the energy that you carry is very different. And kids see it as something completely different. And they will... The attraction to a man is very different from what she, what she was trying to say is, I'm, I'm being inarticulate, but what she was trying to say is you'll be very special mm. if you, as a man, teach kids yoga. Because it's a very wow. different energy and it's very different from what people expect. That's and so it's very special for children to physically interact like that. And then I saw it actually happening where the dads, they were interested in taking That's part. true. Because, I mean... And yet the kids were in there and they were looking at the dads outside. And they were like, Daddy, come and be with us and the dad's just and yet the moms are all over it oh man I see it was such a beautiful uh, revelation and it really touched me I was like wow point being maybe you don't even know what you have to offer Mm. in different scenarios everything I say to you today is just my own experience Mm. right my own thoughts and my own my own experience but I think it's useful to share with people and it's useful for people to listen and say, okay, well, what can I really offer in, in the world that I'm living in, right? Mm. Um, and so back to, the, back to that point, your physicality, what can you offer? And your gender does play a role in it. It does. Yoga is a female-dominated, largely female-dominated female industry, mm-hmm. right? What can you offer um, with your background? Your nationality. I, as I said, my my ex partner taught in Japanese, Chinese, and English. In right, one. right. You know, is there are there Japanese people out there who would love to have an all Japanese? Can you speak Japanese? Okay, well then, there's your target audience. Yeah. You see what I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, are you a specialist? I went to training with a woman who was a Pilates specialist for women's issues. You know, prenatal, all kind. There's all kinds of things that you can, mm. you can, you can, you can offer, and that you mm. can share with people. And that forms part of what you can offer in your, and I don't like the word physicality, but I'm just going to use it because I can't find a better word right now. Essence? Qualities? Yeah, qualities is a nice thing. What are the qualities that you can offer with authenticity mm. to people who need them? Mm. Wow. <laughs> so that's the, second, that's the second bubble. So there's three right. bubbles in the personal branding. The first bubble, if you remember, was your education, right? What are your... What are your stats? Qualifica- what are your yeah, qualifications? Yeah. What are you qualified to teach safely? Mm. And it comes down to safety. It comes down to rigor. It comes down to knowledge. It comes down, you know, efficiency. Exactly. How you are, exactly. how you carry yourself. Just the practical skills. The practical skills yeah. of being a yoga teacher. Then the second one is qualities. And I think I might just use. And that what are you word. born with? What, what, you, what exactly? Can you, yeah. What can you offer? And then the authentic part comes into that. What can you offer with authenticity? And that I'm afraid takes quite a while for people to understand. I, I get what you mean. Mm-hmm. I get what you mean. It, like say, even for me, mm-hmm. where let's say I knew that I could offer this thing, but then I wanted to offer that thing because that was the cool thing mm-hmm. at that time or mm-hmm. that was what I enjoyed. Mm-hmm. So I want to do that mm-hmm. instead. Mm-hmm. And then I try to do that. And then whenever you say or whatever you do it, it just sounds weird. Mm-hmm. It's not your words. Mm-hmm. And if you can tell, 
everybody else can tell mm. because people have this innate yeah. ability to detect yeah. inauthenticity they mm-hmm. know if you're bullshitting them they know if this is not the way you sound outside why your accent suddenly change one <laughs> it's they know <laughs> and like English. how come you outside you can talk like that and then after you come in like yeah. breathe with, you know inhale exhale yeah. like oh, where did this come from and think, something is off and think about the teachers and not just to you Aaron to everybody who's listening out there the teachers that you love and respect the most Aren't they the most authentic ones? Exactly. The ones that you remember from so many years back. Aren't they the most authentic ones? And I'm not saying that being authentic is all about being soft and gentle. No. I remember doing Bikram in this, in this again, in the studio, which I've done lots of things in the studio that <laughs> I'm sitting in. And I remember one of the teachers who was a power teacher and she was teaching Bikram. My goodness, I could never forget the way that she taught a cushy way and she was just like that. I think she was an ex-gymnast or she was something, but she delivered that with such conviction that I never forgot that class. And I've had multiple teachers across multiple disciplines do that for me, whether it's kids yoga, whether it's restorative, they're all different kinds of people, but the ones that we remember and the ones that make an impact are the ones who deliver with authenticity. It's something that I think, it's kind of the biggest question for most yoga teachers, and I think it takes a long time to get to understand what you can authentically offer people. It does take a long time. Yeah. It takes a lot of understanding of the yeah. self as well yes. and experience of how you teach and how exactly. you find your, your voice and practice. And practice. But what are some tips to, to, to speed up that process? You know, a little I bit think, of self-awareness maybe? I think, I think it's funny that you ask the question as a, for a tip because I don't think you need a tip. I think mm. you just need to be aware. You right. know what you love. Yeah. You know what you love. You know who you love. Do you have to ask someone, do you love that person? No, you just know you it, know, right? Yeah. Do you love this yoga class? Actually, no. Mm. Do you like that yoga? Yes. Easy. Yeah. Go with what you what you love. Regardless of how cool it is, and there's a lot of coolness That's happening true. in yoga. Yeah. I, I, I totally get that. And it took me a while to get out of that cool factor. It's about the ego as well, of right? Course. You You want people... To, to see you as this super strong bendy handstanding mm-hmm. yogi mm-hmm. but then if that's not you then mm-hmm. then that's weird mm-hmm. for you to try and put on that mm-hmm. that persona mm-hmm. and I then mean, once you step yeah. into the, your own truth then people are like ah of course yeah oh yeah I know Floyd he's, exactly. he's that the, the guy that's that does this of exactly. course exactly there's no need there's not even need for a tip to be more authentic what you need what I would say the only tip would be is follow what you love because you can't go wrong and you know what you love. You don't have to guess what you love. You know it already. Mm. You know, if you just sit a little bit and think, do I love that class? Do I love this one? I like this one. Okay. It gives you the clue. You get the clue. The last bubble, sorry, just the last one, is your philosophy. Oh, yes. And that's something that I am afraid takes a very long, for me, it's taken a very long time to form a philosophy around yoga. And I think I've hinted at my own philosophy around yoga through this entire conversation. Right. And my philosophy about yoga is enjoy it, feel good about it, and be truthful to yourself in the practice. Those are the kind of the three prongs that I follow all the time. And again, maybe a fourth one within that, what do you need? That's my philosophy. I I, want to always enjoy my practice, mm. always. I always want to look forward to my practice. I don't want to dread going going into that class or my own practice if it's a self-practice. Enjoy it. Feel fulfilled when you do it. Be there, be present, and deliver what you need to yourself. The rest of it can just come later. So it's from what I mean by the philosophy is all about fulfilling your specific needs. 
you know, people's philosophies might be about power and achievement. People's other philosophies might be about all kinds of other things, you know. But to develop a philosophy for yourself and your practice, that I think it takes quite a while. That was actually one of the questions that I want to ask you as well. Mm. What like because from your Instagram, mm. you you post a lot of stuff like as abstract abstract as Very some of the stuff abstract, that yeah. you post. <laughs> there is a theme that I noticed, uh-huh. and and that theme to me, if I interpreted it, mm. it's always about self care and self compassion, mm. and and like what you just said, like what your practice is. You mm. just you just explained it, you know, mm. in that way. So that's quite interesting to hear. Yeah, it might not be the most popular thing to hear. You know, mm. everyone forms their own philosophy of yoga, and the, the funny thing is, you probably already have a philosophy of yoga. You just, if, you, if you, you practice yeah. it, if you practice yoga, you've got some idea. Some just like just you like say, for uh, if I were to give my own example mm. through my own experiences mm. of how when I always practice, I always took my time. Mm. I always breathe a little bit longer mm. and I never really cared about whether I was catching up to class and that mm. and that has always just been the thing I did until I realized like oh okay this is trying to tell me something maybe I like a little bit slower mm-hmm. maybe I like it in a certain way and then in uh, uh, through the body is already telling you just yeah. you need the, the awareness to pick up on it mm-hmm. you know why do I always close my eyes in a practice mm. uh, is it to help me focus is it to help me bring awareness back to the breath is it to not distract myself yeah. all these things that you already did it long time ago yeah. for years I've always been practicing yeah. this way or why do you always take the front mat or the back mat what does that mean mm. why do you always take option three why do you never take mm-hmm. option one you know mm-hmm. all these things are telling you what kind of person you are and how you want to teach eventually or what path that you need to choose mm. so then in that way that is um, uh, how you can find your authenticity exactly. so exactly exactly those things are, the things that I talk about are All of them are quite formative, mm. but that's what comes down to personal brand. It comes down to personal branding. That's why I made you guys do the exercise about what could you offer to. Mm. I think that was part of the exercise yeah, I did yeah. with you. What can you offer to the world? Some people don't get it. Um, some people do. Some people don't. It just depends. Um, but that's what the exercise is about. Is as you go out there, what do you? Re- it's, it's personal branding, yeah. But you know what it really is? It's about what can you offer the world. Mm. And it's not saying that you need to be vastly different or new. There's, there's a need for that, but there's also many, many, many needs that people that you'll find along the way, and that's really what it's about. What can you offer the world, and why are you doing this? Do you want to be an Instagram hero? Okay, cool. Then just admit that. Then be that. Then be that bendy, cool, mm. you know, person doing, I don't know, God knows what, on a rock somewhere <laughs> in, in, in 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 Japan or whatever. <laughs> Topless, hanging on the ledge by the yeah, cliff I mean, in the Bali sexualization, The sexualization of yoga is a completely different story. That's another another topic completely. But um, yeah, it's it, it's a, it's it's really about what can you offer the world. When I go to any teacher training, I always think, you know, what am I going to offer people after mm. this? And some things, I must say, some things I've realized I will never teach. Like I don't think I'll ever teach kids yoga. Hmm. But I did, and I don't know if yeah. I'll ever teach restorative on a mass level because I just don't know how to do that yet. That's true. Some things are just for you, you know, and that's a really good point. Some things are only for you; they're not for anybody else. And we live in a world where everything we have has to be shared on social media. Every experience right, that right. we have has to be shared. That's true. That is true. We're in every this, meal that we exactly. have, every place that we go. Every look moment. where I am. Look at what I'm eating. Look who exactly. I'm with. There's a sentence that if it didn't go on Facebook, it never happened, right? Yeah. 
but some things in this life mm. and in your yoga journey are just for you. Like I've, as you said, you've done lots of trainings and I love them. And that's not boasting about it, but I just love doing them. Mm. But I don't think I'll ever teach kids yoga. But what I learned, I teach my yin yoga classes like I would teach a kid's yoga class in some ways. In, in some ways, yeah, yeah. Exactly. And, and because it still requires a certain level of intuition. Exactly. And, exactly. and that, 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 that persona that you need to carry through. Exactly. And when I do restorative, um, my yin has become more restorative than, than it ever used to be after restorative yoga. But I don't, think I, I don't know if I'll ever teach a full-on restorative mm-hmm. yoga class but it influences many other things. So not everything has that. Not everything has to be done and for a purpose, achieved yeah. and for, for, an, for the outward world to see. Sometimes it's just for you to, mm, to bring into yourself. So interesting. And to enrich yourself. That is also part of like the philosophy of yin. Mm, mm, exactly. Mm. The receptivity and the openness. Yeah. Do you teach yin? I, I, I teach yin here. Okay. I don't have a yin a yin like uh, uh, what do you call it a CTE yeah yeah, yeah, yeah but yeah, then yeah. I, I, I teach it from experience okay yeah. and like, I like it you like it I like it yeah um, I, <laughs> I like it yeah I like it right yeah. you just like it I like it I see like that's it. enough yeah. I think that's I like enough. it and people need it and there's a different crowd that comes to it oh completely yeah you, you don't see the hmm, wait let me Sometimes you see the super strong ones. They mm-hmm. come. Sometimes you see the the, the aunties or mm-hmm. the pregnant women. Women. Sometimes you see the the big strong men. Mm-hmm. So it's a very strange group. You never yes. know who you're gonna yeah, see. Yeah. In the vinyasa class, you always know. Okay, maybe <laughs> it's that guy or yeah, this person. Yeah, You've yeah, seen yeah. them before. But in yeah. the end, I always I see different people. Yeah. 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 It's a very different energy. Yes. Completely. There are times when I think when I first taught in my previous uh, studio. Mm. I would always play music and it's always some mm, soft mm, music mm. and I really enjoyed it. <laughs> and then after a while I stopped playing music. Oh wow. Because the bare so, bones it's one. Wow. silent yin. And it was Oof. it's 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 good and bad sometimes, mm. but mostly good mm. for, for me because mm. if you have the right people coming to the class and they they they, they, they just want to come and unwind, mm. the music, whether it's playing or not, doesn't matter. Yeah. Yeah. Then sometimes if you have new people who come, then they are just eyes open all the time. Yeah. They're like, they don't know what to expect. Am I supposed to? What am I supposed to? Am I supposed to sleep? But then if you manage to, <laughs> I'm to, to sleep. yeah, you know, like because like I just listen, so they're just staring mm. at the sky. Mm. And at, at at the beginning, I would be very self conscious, like, oh, it's kind of weird. Can you close your eyes? Like, I mean, I just play some music to distract myself, make it not so awkward. But then after a while, the person having the eyes open. Isn't doesn't have anything to do with you, you know. No. It's just maybe I'm just sort of meditating by mm. s- zoning out at a point in the mm. ceiling, mm. or I just want to really be present in my body mm. and opening my eyes helps with that. Or mm. uh, maybe I'm I don't want, I'm I don't want to sleep. I want to feel what yeah. I'm feeling. Yeah. And yeah. then yeah, let me open my eyes. What's the big <laughs> deal? And then you realize that. Yeah. And then you're like, yeah, it it is no big deal. I I'm back to be able to I'm I'm more equipped to hold the space now. Yeah. And then I realized like music, all this kind of thing, it's, it's sometimes it's a distraction. Sometimes yes. I feel like playing it, I'll play. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no big deal. Mm-hmm. But then sometimes I like to just sit mm-hmm. and quiet yeah. because it, the studios uh, at home have some ambiance. Yes, yes. There's an echo, there's yeah. the traffic, there's yeah. the... They're not completely It's like, not completely isolated. dead silence. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there is still 
the sounds of the world yeah. passing you by. Yeah. And I feel like that is enough for you to, I agree. to focus on the birds chirping, the agree. people walking by, the traffic, the horns, the whatever. Yeah. You know? Even the humming of the AC or the fans. Yeah. That's enough for me. Yeah. Yeah. So I really like that. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> what? Okay, go ahead. Oh, no, go. Hey, no, 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 no. Continue. No, no, no. There's nothing. I was just wondering what else I was going to say. But I'm sure your question will prompt it anyway. Um, what is your truth? And how do you communicate your philosophy through personal branding of your own? Oh, I guess you've sort of talked about it, but then I want to be a little bit more specific. Yeah. You see, the thing is with personal branding is that I think it does change as you change. That's true. And you have to give it space to change. Exactly. Because you are changing. Everything is changing. And if you still hold on to whatever you were 10 years ago, then then you're not fulfilling the authenticity part already. I don't know how people see me, to be honest. As a yoga teacher, I don't know how people see me. I've, I've... you will never be able to see how you see yourself as a teacher because you will never be able to attend your own class. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And no one's ever told me. Yeah. You know. They will always say, oh, it's great. I love yeah. it. Whatever. Exactly. But then you don't know how you are. Exactly. Yeah. But I do know that, I do know when people appreciate me. So what was your question about personal branding, right? <laughs> I forgot the question. Your philosophy and how do you communicate that through personal branding? Oh. I think just, I think my philosophy, hmm. I've kind of danced around it in this discussion, haven't I? Yeah. I've spoken a little bit about it, but I think my, um, what is my philosophy and how do I communicate it through personal branding? I guess it was what you mentioned about how you want your students to feel and how you want to... I want um, to be, you know what I want to be? I want to be a human being, which we forget that we're yoga teachers and we're humans as well. Mm-hmm. You know, we're flawed and we're not perfect and... We have questions and we have, we're not gurus. I mean, many of us, not, maybe some of us are. I don't know. That's fine. But I want to be more, I want to be human in front of my, my students. I want to be a normal person who's just on this journey with them. I find that to be the most authentic thing. And I would like to be seen as that kind of person, especially when I come into. Especially yin yoga. I mean, I talk a lot about yin yoga. This is a very special place in my heart. Mm. Very special. When I come into the class, um, I want them to just see me as someone who's just going to guide a little bit and then let them be. I don't want to adjust all the time. I don't want to force them into doing things that they don't need to do. I want to allow them to discover who they are on their own, which people are very afraid of. And that's a terrifying thing about some yoga practices is allowing people to discover what they are, what are their limits, what are their tolerances on their own. My ideal yoga class would be one where I actually don't even talk at all. The less present I am, the more they take the responsibility on themselves to understand their practices and their bodies. The more you talk, not the more you talk, the more you instruct the less responsibility people take on themselves. That is very interesting. Have you noticed that? Yes. In a Bikram class, you do not need to think at all. And this is not a bad thing about Bikram, but Bikram is designed to tell you exactly what to do and exactly what formation, and there is no deviation. And Mm. I've been doing Bikram for a very long time. And I've done a lot of that, and it's an amazing practice. Don't get me wrong at all. But the the instructions are very specific and very clear. And you could do Bikram with your eyes closed. Mm. 
You really can. Do it enough times and you could do it with your eyes absolutely closed. And you go in, if anyone does, out there does big room, you know you go into that rhythm, wash down, but you go into the rhythm where you don't need to question what's next. You know what's coming next. You know, you know where to get there and you know where you can push and where you can pull and everything. There are other forms of yoga which are which allow more of the practitioner to take charge, I think. And uh, I think yin is one of them. There's others, nidra. I mean, all the quieter ones allow you to take charge. So my ideal my ideal practice would be one where I don't actually talk that much. Mm. It would be much less talking, a couple of instructions, and then let them be, and let them discover where they are. Oh, I've never thought of that as a way to teach yin, but from room, wow. <laughs> we're so high up and we can still I know, it. right? Yeah. Yeah. The studio. Um, but but <laughs> that's so interesting because I agree. You, the more you instruct, the less that they, the students will... Like, if you if you keep instructing everything, mm-hmm. they're not going to take responsibility for their own bodies. No. If they... If they if you tell them to just yeah hop into the handstand by doing this this then they will do it because mm-hmm. you know they're not gonna like not do it mm-hmm. and then that might what am I saying I, I I don't know what I'm saying I take it all back but I get what you mean where the more you spoon feed you're not gonna learn anything mm-hmm. you 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 get a bit more compa- complacent you get a bit more annoyed sometimes you become maybe. reliant yeah you get, yes reliant on an external on external force and you don't take the into in the initiative the in, yeah and that doesn't develop a lot your of own body awareness it doesn't develop your intuition exactly allowing someone else to tell you how you're mm. feeling in yeah life that's true that's and true and this is not a criticism of those practices again we live in a very in a multiverse there's so many different types of practices physical non-physical and all of them have a place but your question was what is my mm philosophy and what is my approach and that is the way I like to teach it I do not like to speak a lot mm. in the class I'll give a few instructions and help them with the with the props or whatever and most of the time I'll just say these are the options find your posture raise your hand and I'll help you and that's it that's all you need that's all and that's all that they need it's not what I need it's what, what yeah, they need that's true and once you say that once you, you that's your that's all you say you start to see people Experiment. Eggs. And hmm, where that do I put my block? So gratifying. How should I put my legs? Yes. Do I need a Do I need yes. a pillow here? Yes. And you see that, and that's how they will do it the next time they come, exactly. and and that's how they will do it forever until exactly. they need to adjust again. Exactly. Because then they know, ah, oh, I had a shoulder injury here. I shouldn't extend it too much that exactly. way. I shouldn't do this. I shouldn't do that. But exactly. I can do this. I can do that because I I tried it myself, and that's how I feel. But then if you have a teacher that comes in, especially for Yin. Uh, you can put your leg like that or like this or like that mm. you can put your block here here or here mm. and then I'm like oh okay I'll do it mm. and then I have like four blocks under me and I'm like I don't know what I'm doing yeah. I, I, I've sort of lost awareness of mm. what mm, the point of this was and I just do what the teacher says mm-hmm. which is very strange mm. Mm. It's, it's a very it's a very interesting thing that people are not comfortable with at all my students who come to me for those kind of practices they know that I will do that right so they expect that and they already know what they want to do with the props. You know, the ones who've been coming a few times or who are in more invested in their yoga practice, they know how to put the blocks to suit their own bodies. Right. You know, I can give options, but they'll just do it. But a lot of people come in waiting for instructions. You can see them in the face. You watch them. They're eagerly awaiting the next instruction. But you don't give it. 
and you just leave them. And these people aren't, these are intelligent people. You know, they'll work it out. You identify, for you and you'll identify where's the target area that you're stretching. This is the buttocks, this is the hamstrings, whatever. They know when their hamstrings are being stretched, surely. You know, I don't think I'm giving too much credit to people to understand that. How to get there. Just a few instructions and then leave them. And also, you don't want to, you don't want to force I've seen students just not do postures because they just don't like it or they're feeling very uncomfortable with it. I've had a lot of students actually who, what is the one posture that we do? They just don't do it. Now, there's one there's one particular posture that I remember that they just don't like doing it or certain of them don't and they just sit it, sit it out. And I allow them to do that, you know, because it's, it's, it's maybe they've got some back issue or they've got something happening and they just, or halfway through, they just can't take it any longer. Like if it's a seal posture, which is a like a, kind of like a cobra. engaging, yeah. Yeah, it's too much. Then they just I just allow them to 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 drop out of it once mm. they've reached their maximum. So back to your question, that is kind of the, that is the way that that I kind of deal with being authentic mm. to my practice, authentic to my students. In my opinion, the less present I am, the more they will feel into their practice. And I'm always there for support and help. And some, especially with new students who don't know where to put anything, you right. know, then you need to then you really, need to instruct, you need yeah. to go in and you, but you can do it with them, mm. you know? And sometimes students just need a bit of reassurance. Mm. Like, okay, you're okay. You're doing it okay. Yeah. Like some of them will be like, oh, this is okay. It's just like, because the room is mm. silent and then they're on one corner and they're like, putting the hand up they're like oh is this the right thing yeah yeah that's fine I mean does it feel good then yeah it's, exactly. it's the where right thing to do where are you feeling the stretch yeah. okay cool go for it that's true are you feeling okay do you want mm. more blocks that's fine and just let them be yeah you know um, so I, I I I don't know how people see me but I would like to be seen as that kind of quite human quite simple mm. and uh approachable guide I'm using the word guide as opposed to teacher mm. in a lot of ways um, that will just help them to feel a little bit better from the time that they came in to the time that they that they leave <laughs> I like that answer I, I like it a lot it's something for me to think about as well why like, like what like like if I think of my own philosophies mm. and how that is a nice philosophy. Maybe I want to add that into mm, mine or maybe mm, I want to adapt it or I want to mm, grow in that way. Mm. It is very interesting and it's authentic. Mm. And it's what it's, I guess my philosophies always revolve around honesty and authenticity mm. as well. Mm. So that is part of it, you know? So I resonate with it. Mm. You, like, I was, I was thinking about this this morning actually <laughs> uh-huh. about truth and honesty. Uh-huh. Both are the same things, right? And I... If like people ask me what is my truth or what is my, what do I resonate with at its core values, right? What are my core values? I don't say truth. I say honesty. But then mm. they're the, sort of the same. And I rationalize in this way where truth, truth is, truth is undeniable. Truth is left and right. There's no... Black and white. It's black yeah. and white. Yeah. It's, it's, it's ultimate, like, this is wrong, this is right. One is one zero zero that, and you it's undeniable. Mm. 
Honesty is a choice. Honesty mm. is an act. Mm. I, I have to that. choose to be honest, right? That. Like the truth is here. Let's mm. say you cannot get into a full split. That is the truth. Uh-huh. And you being honest with yourself is telling you yourself, that, telling you that truth. You can lie to yourself. Mm. I mean, if I keep doing my Hanuman, one year later, I'll be able to get it. But then the, that's not the truth. Mm-hmm. And you're lying to yourself. Mm-hmm. You're not being honest to yourself. Mm. So then honesty is a facilitator of that truth. Yes. Yeah. So the truth will always be there regardless yeah. of what happens within you. Yeah. The truth externally, the sun is hot, the, <laughs> the water is cold. Yeah. This, these are universal truths. Yes. But then it's up to you to be honest with yourself, which comes from awareness. Mm-hmm. Or, and it also comes from responsibility. Like other people telling you to, like telling, being honest to you, like, hey bro, uh, you gotta, don't do this or you should do that mm-hmm. or whatever. They're, they're being honest mm-hmm. out of concern for you. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's also a way of facilitating the real truth. Yeah. And once you can be in um, unison with that, yeah. once you can connect with yes. all that, then you then it becomes like something that I want to carry forward, yes. you know? Yes, yes, yes. Hmm. <laughs> I like it, I like it. Good. It, it, it's, it's hard to, it's hard to, to live your own truth. It's hard to face that. It's hard to yeah. face your own truth and even your own philosophies. That, what I've just told you now, it took a long time to get there for me to admit because also I have the body and I know I have the physical ability to do all those hardcore things, you know. Um, you know what was interesting about authenticity and that kind of thing? When I did my Ashtanga training, which was nightmarish for me, but not physically. It was emotionally nightmarish because I really don't like the practice of Ashtanga. Just personally, I just don't resonate with it mm. very much. And when I went to the training, I said to the teacher who, I, I really love her. And I said to her, oh gosh, I really don't like this practice. <laughs> in the beginning of the training, in front of everybody, I was like, I don't like this practice. This is a but 200 hours. Oh no, it was like a shorter, oh, it was okay. like a shorter thing. I don't like know how many. Uh, yeah. 10, 100 hours, 10, whatever. Something like, like that, yeah. I went with the express purpose of expanding my knowledge mm. of yoga as a teacher. Mm. But every point along the way, as much as I tried, I was like, this is just, I, this doesn't resonate with this practice mm. at all. And you know, you can't force it. <laughs> yeah. You There's a lot of stuff that I use from that, from that training that I still use in many in my personal practice, I was still use a lot of what I learned. And it was brilliant. But it was so funny to try and force yourself to do something that you really are just I know, I know. don't want to and, do. And Ashtanga, all. Bikram, all these kinds of styles requires you to fall in love with it. Exactly. It's a daily practice. It, it, you exactly. do it six days a week. And I six have the a.m. highest respect for people who yeah, do that. It yes. requires a lot of yeah. discipline. Yeah. And yeah. it will pay off if yeah. you put in the work. Totally. That's, I mean, Ashtangis can do a lot of things yes. and they are of a particular, you know, um, yeah, they are a breed. Just like Bikram people are <laughs> exactly. a breed. When you walk, when you, you, the, the, once a Bikram class ends, you open the door, you see the kind of people that walk of out. Course. You know that these of guys course. are Bikram hot, oh hot yogis. <laughs> you know these guys are in the Mysore people. And I love that. Yeah. I love you that, see that we tribe. have so yeah. much diversity. I love that we have so much diversity. And I think that, and the pride with which they carry yeah. themselves. You know, it's well deserved as well. It's well deserved, yeah. but you can be proud of many other things mm. as well. You know, anything taken in the wrong way can can be like, say, as as wonderful as Ashtanga is. Mm. I was having this conversation with Edmund. Ah, yeah, nice. He, he yeah. said his his take on Ashtanga is that Ashtanga is um, meant for a particular 
type of people, mm. the Vata body type, mm-hmm. right? The flexible. Mm. And it's it's structured in a way where you can't progress until you put your foot behind your head. Exactly. Until yes. you do your yes. whatever. Yeah. So if you fall, if you then anatomically can't mm. do it, you're forced to do it. Yeah. You have to do it, yes. right? In order to progress. Mm. So if you can't, then you might end up feeling like, oh shit, I can't do it. Mm. Maybe I am a terrible Ashtangi. Mm-hmm. And if you can do it, maybe then there is a arrogance that comes with it. Oh, you know? yes. So it, anything like that can be misconstrued. Mm. If you are a type A lawyer, yeah. hard-headed, like mm. I come to practice every day, I'm 100% on the mat and very strong, the Ashtanga practice might not be good for you mm. because... Mm-hmm. It only you, feeds if, that. Yeah, it feeds that. You're forced to do it. Like, yeah, yeah. I'm going to fucking put, just yeah. bring my butt yeah. down. It might hurt you. But whereas if you're the the little bit more on the shy side, oh, I'm not sure what I try. Mm. Hmm, maybe I, oh, I'm going to try. Mm. And no wonder you progress. And like, hey, this is kind of cool. I, I managed to do it. Yes, yeah. Yes. So then you build confidence. Yes, the yes. practice grants you that confidence yeah. and then you carry that out. Yeah. yeah. So then, diff, like all these things, like, it can help and it can hurt. It's just mm. how you how you perceive it and mm. whether you're aware to see what helps and what hurts. Exactly. And Same it takes with, a while yeah. to do that. It takes a while. It comes with experience, it life experience, It takes a while. Sometimes awareness. it takes an injury to do that. It does. To you, to, to make you hyper it does, it does. this is the yeah. wrong thing that I'm doing to myself. You know, um, and I always encourage, that's why I did the Ashtanga training as well, um, for contrast. Mm. If I sit always in yin yoga and restorative, yeah. I become a certain... It's imbalanced already. It's in, yeah. Exactly. So I did that purposefully for the contrast. Like, mm. I got to, I've got to try this. has got to be something that I can take out from this that's going to inform everything else. And truly there was. Yeah. It was torturous. <laughs> but it was... But there was, a lesson, there was a lesson to be learned. Oh, I'll never forget it. Yeah. It was incredible. And I learned so much about it. Not just that I didn't like the practice, but, but I learned so much other stuff about myself when I was doing it. Right. You know, my body was gorgeous when I was doing it. I remember that. I was like lean and tough, but it was, I was also very edgy. My personality type is not the type for that kind of thing. So that was my little learning about that. Right. <laughs> as much as the yoga provides, the yoga can take away from you as yes. well. Yeah. yeah. It's just a wonderful tool to learn more about yourself. I think mm. people view it in that way that you might not always be doing this type just because you like it now because mm. you're doing it doesn't mean you can't do something else or you won't change or you won't want to do something else that adaptability and that that acceptance mm. you know my body's getting older now I'm like 40, 41 at the end of this year I can still do some of the things that I used to do but I actually really don't want to because mm. <laughs> I just don't you're not interested anymore I'm not yeah. interested anymore my, 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 my psyche my, my mind and my heart is elsewhere the intention of the pose is no longer to impress people exactly. it's for yourself exactly. and, and it takes a long time for you to to yeah. come to terms with that like yeah, yeah I am doing this for myself yeah. I don't need to show off I don't need to do this for you I don't need yeah. to prove anything yeah. this is for me and yeah. if I want to do it I'll do it because exactly. I can Yeah. if I don't yeah. want to do it then I don't want to do it yeah. and, and fuck you you know exactly. like, this is what I want to do Exactly. and that takes a lot of ownership and it takes a lot of honesty as well it, it takes a long time Mm. A long, 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 long time. Oh gosh! <laughs> <sighs> you want to wrap it up? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Are you Are you good? I'm good. I'm yeah. Good. Any of the other questions you have? Uh, I have, but like, I think we can end on this note. Okay. Yeah. Perfect. My pleasure. How can people reach you? <laughs> um, I'm on and off social media because. <laughs> because. <laughs> because. <laughs> they can always find well. Um. My Instagram tag is F 
for Florida Alpha London 04 office, Y for yellow, the number 2, letter D, F-L-O-Y-2-D, is my Ashtanga handle. Um, Ashtanga handle, gosh, <laughs> Instagram. Instagram handle, Instagram handle, and you'll be able to see it because all my posts are black and white mm. um, that I put up there. A warning that I do not post a lot of stuff about yoga on there because yoga is very private to mm. me. But if any questions or whatever, you can always ask me there, you know. I'm on and off it, so I might not reply immediately, but mm. you're most welcome. <laughs> and if they want to find you at home, they can also find your classes. Exactly. Yeah. Home it's classes I teach on, 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 at the moment I'm teaching on Fridays because I don't, I don't teach as much mm. anymore. I'm teaching on Fridays at, um, at Raffles Place. I'm teaching tonight. And I do yin-yang there. And I will probably eventually be doing more... Um, I'm in part of the teacher trainings as well. Um, Lee's got teacher training coming up. And I will probably be doing more um, kind of workshops and stuff. I do play singing bowls and do Reiki and those kind of things as well. And I have done those as workshops here. And I probably will do it again um, at some upcoming point. Stay tuned. Oh, thank you so much. Thank you, Floyd. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. So yeah, that was it. That was the podcast. I'm glad. I'm hope. I hope you enjoy it. If you see him in class, you know, say hi to him. Tell him you listen to the podcast. You know, just get to know him. It's all good. And if you like what you hear, oh shit, just bang the table. If you like what you hear, share it with your friends. Repost this on your IG stories. Tag me, then I'll repost it as well. Um, you can support the podcast. Donate to the coffee page. Link in the description. Um, let me know if you have any, let me go, let me know if you have any questions about anything, about what we talked about, about, about anything is, you know, reach out to me. I would love to say hi, say hi to me at the studio. Uh, I'll say hi back. Here's the thing. <laughs> I think I felt, I felt I need to make a disclaimer. Like sometimes people do reach out to me at the studio and then they say hi. And I'm always like, like before I'm teaching or after I'm teaching, I'm always in this phase where I'm like super exhausted. So I don't, I won't really like, like talk to them back. Oh, I feel so bad, but like I'm, I don't mean to be standoffish. Like I think I met like two or three people um, and I'm just like awkwardly like, oh yeah, yeah, hi. And then like I just faster run off. But anyway, I apologize. I'm honestly, um, I'm not so tau lah, right? Anyway, I'm always happy to, 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 to reach out to people and to hear and to, you know, just, just meet new people. I'm all for that. Well, what else I want to say? Mm. So like the past, the past few guests, oh shit. The, the past few guests were all from, were all teachers from home. And I'm, I'm happy to talk to, to everybody at home. There's a lot of interesting people that I want to speak to, you know, Copper, um, Gwen, John, all the, you know, Ashtanga, Hot Yoga, all these different people with all the different styles, Henry, Universal, Sita. There's a lot of people that I want to talk to, Sheena, and so on, Iris, Inversions, whatever, the list goes on. But I didn't want to saturate it by having so many home teachers in one go. So for sure, I'll still reach out and talk to them, but I want to still diverse and bring you people from other, um, you know, places, studios, and whatever, and even just my random friends who may or may not be yogis themselves, um, to bring them on, so I'll try and to, to balance it all out, but then it takes so long to create a podcast, so then by the time I want to talk to them, it's like uh, two, three weeks later, anyway, just me ranting, mm, 
what else what else da, 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 da. it's it's tuesday tuesday night 2 p.m that 8 p.m <laughs> it's surprisingly quiet today so i, I was like oh shit uh very quiet i'm gonna faster just record this okay la, uh, that's it okay thanks for listening bye everyone <laughs>